Hello, and welcome to another episode of Modern Leader, the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm really excited to talk about uh, this next topic, which is skill set or mindset. When it comes to finding the right employee or the right partner for a role, what's more important? Is it skill set or mindset? And joining us to unpack this discussion is Jennifer. Jennifer, thank you so much for joining us and welcome to Modern Leader. Thank you. I'm super excited to be here. I'm glad that you took the opportunity to answer these questions that I find so very uh, important in the workplace. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining us. But before we get started, it is a modern leader tradition that before we hop into the topics that we start off with a randomized question to get to know each other just a little bit better. So are you up for it? Absolutely. Great. Okay. So let me go ahead and pick one of my random questions here. And ah, okay. If you can be any animal, which animal would you be and why? I would be a rooster because I like to annoy people. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, so you would be a rooster. <laughs> oh goodness. Okay. Um, that's a very interesting one. I don't know that I've had a more <laughs> a more interesting answer before. Well, um, okay. If I could pick any animal, I think I would want to be. Um, I would say a bird only because I think it'd be really cool to be able to fly. Um, I haven't really thought that one through. I don't know. I'm sure that there's a lot of like downsides maybe that I need to think about. But if I'm answering in the moment, I would say I would want to be a bird because I would love the opportunity to be able to fly. So my why is to fly. And it sounds like your why is to <laughs> have the innate ability to <laughs> annoy people wake them up super early <laughs> yes my kids always say that I wake up early in the morning and make all this unnecessary noise so I I say they would agree okay wonderful well let's take a really quick break and we will dive right into the questions all right well, I just needed a real quick second to um bring myself together I think this is probably the uh, best response <laughs> that I've heard so far, but let's go ahead and dive right into the question. So the first question that you asked, and just to give people a little bit of context, uh, you and I engaged in a conversation through social media. I had posted a question asking, you know, what are some of the topics that people would like us to discuss via our podcast? And I, I thought some of the questions that you asked were really, really um, insightful questions and questions that are, are on the top of a lot of people's minds. So that'd be great to have you. So thank you so much for joining us. And um, I went ahead and collected those questions as we were talking through them. And I have them here. So I'll kind of remind you of those questions. And then we'll just unpack them and have some dialogue regarding uh, those questions. Sound good? Perfect. Awesome. Well, the first question that you had, you had posed was, how do you identify the right person or people for a role? And I thought that was a great question. And um, it is actually the the leading question for the entire podcast, which is skill set or mindset, right? Which one is more important? And I think that that is very important when it comes to identifying the right people or, or person for a specific role. A lot of times we hire people for skill set, which I think is really important 
important, right? You want to make sure that people have the necessary competencies. But oftentimes when we look at two people and we're comparing them and we're saying, okay, this person has maybe two more years of experience than this one, or this one has a little bit more formal training than the other person. They both theoretically could do the job, but one of them has a little bit more credentials uh, than the other. To me, it's always important to think about which one has the right attitude or mindset, because the reality is, if they're a little bit shy in the skill set, we can teach them the skill set. But attitude is something that we cannot teach. It's very hard to give somebody the right attitude. So I like to look for just the right mix of skill set and attitude or mindset. So uh, that would be my initial response to that question is make sure they have the attitude uh, that's necessary to, to be a good part of the team and good part of the contribution. And then we can look at what's the skill set. And if they're a little bit shy in the skill set compared to the next person, but they have a better attitude, I personally would pick that person all day long because I know that I can build up their skill set, but their attitude, a little bit more difficult for us to change. I totally agree. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you agreed. Is there anything that brings to mind for you? Any other questions or thoughts on that particular topic? You know, a lot of people that um, I surround myself with or uh, run across, I see that they have a lot of potential. And for me, a lot of times I struggle with staying caught in the potential that I see in that person. And I find that a lot of times just because somebody has the potential to do something doesn't necessarily mean that they want to maximize that potential or do everything that they're capable of doing. Absolutely. I agree with you. Um, you know, that, that that's kind of goes back to the point of, is it an attitude or a skill set? Which one's going to be more important? And there are some roles where the skill set is really, really important. And sometimes, unfortunately, the the hiring people or, or the hiring managers will decide that they need to sacrifice the mindset or, or attitude for the role. You know, maybe they're an aeronautical engineer or they're a brain surgeon, right? Something really critical like that. And like, well, we really, really need the best skill set and the attitude sometimes is what suffers. But most roles, that's not the case. You can really teach people the skills that they that they need or build up their skill set and really um, leverage their, them having the right attitude. So I will say that it's important to identify early on, are you hiring somebody for their potential or are you hiring the, the person, right? So is it the person for who they are and what they can do for you today or are you hiring them for their potential? And neither one is necessarily right or wrong. It's just important to know eyes wide open. What are you hiring? Are you hiring them for what they're going to be able to execute today, which is typically um, kind of a, a plug and play is, is what we you know typically refer to it as somebody that you could just plug them into the role that they need to be in, and they're going to go and do the thing. Or is it somebody that you're going to have to kind of invest a little bit more time, energy and resources in, but once they get where you want them to get, you truly believe that they are going to be able to execute beyond your expectations. You know, with that in mind, um, the next question I think rolls into this one beautifully that you asked, which was, how do you help someone grow into a role? Can you share with us a little bit about um, that question and, and how did you uh, come up with that question? What, what was happening when you started to reflect on that? Um, I think that question stems from the frustration of, again, being caught in seeing the potential in others and wondering 
Like, is there something that I need to do differently to help this person grow into that role? Um, what can I do to help them be better in that role? Absolutely. That makes perfect sense. Um, typically, whenever we're looking at how do we level somebody up so that they are able to meet all the competencies of a role, I, I really encourage you to look at what are the core competencies of the role and where are they in each of those areas? Um, to me, that's important because it helps you identify what you should be working on with them first. The reality is that nobody's going to be really good at everything. And typically, I recommend that you help somebody focus their 80% of their time on the 20% that they're really, really good at, right? What are those skills or competencies that they can leverage in their role? And if you do that with everybody on your team, typically you can leverage something um, like a, a skills assessment or a strength finder assessment to really understand where are all the strengths on your team and how do you leverage them so that they can help each other and overall have a really strong team. For example, if you're in the sales environment and you have somebody that's really good at the direct sales, that one-on-one -on -one part of the sales, and you have somebody who isn't so great at that, but they're really good at doing the presentation or the pitch, you know, is there a possibility to put those two people together and together, they're really, really a strong group, right? They're a good partnership versus having two people that are so-so um, in both areas operating independently of each other, right? So are there opportunities to leverage each other's strengths to maximize the strengths of the overall team? Now, if there's things that they absolutely have to do on their own, like there's these core competencies of their role, and we need to level them up, I would encourage you to really focus on what are the behaviors and help them build on those behaviors or change those behaviors if they're just behaviors that are not serving them well. For example, if we are in a direct sales environment and somebody needs to sell five accounts a day and they're not selling five accounts a day, I wouldn't lead with, you need to sell five accounts a day. I would lead more with, let's take a look at what's the problem. Let's size it up. So let's figure out, well, one of the goals or targets is to hit five accounts a day. So let's talk about what are you doing to try to get there? And then I'd focus on those behaviors. And maybe as they're sharing with you what they're doing every day, you identify that instead of them having people sign up for the trial that day in that moment, they're giving them a flyer with instructions on how to sign up for the for the, the trial. So you might say something like, instead of you having them um, take a flyer and decide later if they want to sign up or not, how about we transition that and just assume the sale and say, let's go ahead and get you signed up today and walk them through it in the moment, right? So you really focus on what's the behavior and what's the behavior that they can commit to? And then we talk about how do we define success? Well, we're going to define success on you getting X amount of people to sign up for the trial in that moment, right? So, and then if that's successful, we're going to see that you have more people signed up. Maybe you set a target amount. And then we know that of those trials, X amount are going to convert into sales, right? So that's going to be the lag measure at the very end. If all of these things are successful, then we should see that you are resulting in X amount of sales per day or per week, right? So really focusing on what are the specific behaviors? And if you identify through that, that there is a skill set that they lack, then helping them build that skill set. But I would say focus on the behaviors and then identify early on, how are we going to define success so that you can go back and measure those things 
and either celebrate those successes or help them identify that whatever we came up with isn't working and let's try something different. Okay, awesome. Absolutely. Well, this has been wonderful. Um, It looks like we are needing to take a quick break, but when we get back, we will unfinish packing some more of these questions. So don't go away. And Jen, thank you for being here. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Today's episode was sponsored by Brohawk Solutions, an independent consulting firm with a focus on aligning people, processes, and technology to improve the employee experience, leading to an improved customer experience. From operational assessments to mentoring of contact center frontline leaders, as well as any technology challenges you may need a solution for, Brohawk Solutions wants to be your trusted advisor in the contact center space. For more information on how Brohawk Solutions can help your organization, visit their website at brohawksolutions.com. That's B-R-O-H-A-W-K-S-O-L-U-T-I-O-N-S.com or find their LinkedIn page at Brohawk Solutions. All right, everybody, and welcome back. Jennifer, thank you so much for joining me today for our conversation on skill set or attitude slash mindset, which was the most important when looking to hire somebody for a role. Now, the, the next question that we were going to unpack here is, what are some of the signs of problematic leadership versus problematic employees? And I think what we were looking for here, the, the, the question behind this question is really, how do you know when a team that isn't being successful, isn't being successful because of your leadership versus because of their skill, will, or competency level? Is that about uh, right? Is that what you were looking for in this question? And if so, can you tell us a little bit more about how you came up with that question? Yes, that's exactly the question. I think that as I speak with other or have spoken previously with other leaders, I think that that is a, a common question for people that are trying to be effective leaders. You know, we do uh, of course, try to take training and read and educate ourselves on on being an effective leader. But I feel like if there's um, a point in your career where you're finding that your team is struggling, I feel that a lot of times we wonder, is it something that I could be doing differently? Do I need to maybe change my leadership style or change my approach with a certain, a certain member of the team? Um, and so that's where that question came from. Yeah, thank you so much for adding that additional context. Uh, I think it's wonderful when leaders are reflecting and asking themselves those specific questions. Uh, I think that is a sign in itself of of a great leader, but that doesn't mean that you are as effective as possible, right? Sometimes you might have the opportunity to change as your team changes and as your team changes and different people come on and other people move on to other opportunities or endeavors. Um, sometimes what they need from you starts to change and and you don't recognize it because it's happening so subtly. So I think it's great for us to reflect as leaders on what are some of the things that we can do differently and when. And for me, I I, I feel that the best way to do that is to have an environment of 360 feedback where your team is able to share with you what's working and what isn't, making it not personal, right? Whenever you're asking for feedback, what's working for the team, what are things that we can do differently, really understanding what do they need from you and how do they need you to show up versus how you are showing up. Now, I will say that it's really important for us to be in the right headspace whenever we start to ask for 360 feedback, because if we 
don't create a place that's psychologically safe for our teams, then they're not going to want to share that feedback with us in the future. And sometimes it could be challenging for somebody to tell you all the things that you're not doing well or all the things that you're doing that isn't serving them well. So um, being ready, right, emotionally and and uh, in the right headspace to receive that information, I think is key. But then making sure that you're quieting the noise as that's happening, as you're getting that feedback is also really important. And what I mean by that is you might start to have some emotions as they're telling you these things. And you want to make sure that you are able to set those emotions aside, you know, acknowledge them in your head and then move them to the side and really focus on what are they trying to achieve? What are they trying to get from what they're sharing with you and asking insightful questions? So for example, of they're saying something like, I feel like you're not available enough. Like I can never get a hold of you when I need you. Instead of saying something that might come across defensive, like, oh, well, it's because you asked me so many questions, right? You're always needing something from me, something like that. Maybe asking something that's a little bit more directional, like, can you share with me what it would look like if I was available as often as you needed me? Like, what would that look like in, in your in your reality? Can you share with me, right? And then let them tell you, well, whenever I send you a message, you would respond back to me within five minutes or three minutes or whatever the case may be. What that's going to do is one, help you identify, is there an opportunity for you to be more responsive or is this an opportunity for you to set more clear expectations with this person as far as what your involvement in their day-to-day -day should really look like. Maybe it isn't appropriate in their role for them to need you that often, right? So then maybe we can start to identify why is it that you need to connect with me so often? It's, you know, if it isn't something that I can actually do, then how do I eliminate that roadblock? It sounds like maybe they're not having the right tools or resources available to them to be able to work more autonomously. So can we focus on helping them build that instead, right? So really making something meaningful of that conversation, I think is going to be key. And then figuring out how do we get them what they need if it isn't possible for us to be more available to them on the day-to-day -day than we already are. So really identifying what are the needs and how do we meet those needs um, is going to be important, but also taking the time to turn the mirror on ourselves and asking ourselves, um, is this a skill or will situation for me, right? So for example, if it isn't unreasonable for you to be more available, in fact, maybe that's the culture of the organization, but you're just not available because you don't want to be, maybe you just don't like that part of your role. Well, that's an opportunity for you to say, okay, you know what, like this isn't my favorite part of the role and maybe I have been neglecting it. So let me make some adjustments versus saying something like, my role, unfortunately, isn't to be available to you within two to five minutes. My role is actually to be in meetings advocating for your needs about 98% of my day. So unfortunately, I'm just not available like that. And the way that these roles are designed to complement each other, you should be able to operate more autonomously. So share with me, what are some of the roadblocks that keep you from feeling like you can make these decisions on your own? And maybe you focus on that with them instead um, and helping them figure out what do they need in order to uh, be able to operate without you being so close or so available to them so they can also feel successful in, in their role. Thank you so much for that. That's very, very helpful.
No, absolutely. Um, I appreciate the question. I think it's a an important question. It's a, a good question for us to be asking ourselves. Is there something that I can do differently? Um, and being open to that 360 feedback and making it psychologically safe for your, your team to come to you, even when it's about you, I think is um, a really good place to start. It can be challenging at first and uncomfortable, but the benefits once you get past that uncomfortable stage um, are going to surpass that feeling of uncomfortableness and, um, in my opinion, well worth it. So I know that we're running a little short on time, so I'm just going to go ahead and transition into the next question, if that's okay with you. Of course. All right. So the next question here is how to stay positive when the team isn't doing well. So if things aren't going so well, how do we make sure that we are still creating a positive environment? Um, is that the question? Yes, exactly. Okay. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I always recommend in this is um, starting off your day with an act of gratitude or practicing gratitude, which, uh, you know, I, I've done a podcast on that. And I've also done a couple of webinars. I don't know if you've um, been a part of any of those or been able to participate in those, but I will share kind of briefly, if you haven't take a look at those, uh, either the podcast or the webinar. But I, I think it's really important for us to start off by having a practice of gratitude, making sure that we are in the right headspace, that we are focusing on the right things in our day before we even get the day started. Um, after that, I think the next thing is to make sure that um, we're, we're focusing on culture within our teams. You know, there's always going to be things that we cannot control, things that we can't change. And acknowledging those things, I think, is important, right? We don't want to be uh, creating a, an environment of toxic positivity, right, where we're saying everything's great, even though everything's on fire, right? We want to be honest. But at the same time, we want to make sure that we don't dwell on the things that we are not in control of. And let's focus on what we can do to make a positive impact for ourselves, our teams, and the people that we serve. So I would say that um, really making sure that one, we're in the right headspace, but two, making sure that we're focusing on the culture of our team. So if somebody's being, you know, really negative, having a conversation with them, acknowledging their frustrations, but then saying, you know, we want to make sure that we're focusing on the things that we can control and how we can make a positive impact versus focusing on things that we cannot control. How do we do that better? What can I do to be a better partner to you so we can position ourselves or focus our energy on the things that are within our control and really just leaning on your core values and on the mission of the company to make sure that people are in the right headspace, I think goes a really long way. Thank you for that. I like how you mentioned uh, toxic positivity, because that's always a, a concern of mine. Um, I do try to stay uh, positive a majority of the time, but I also do want to make sure that I'm addressing things correctly as well. So thank you for that. Absolutely. I think it's important for us to acknowledge those things, right? Because people uh, people pick up on it if you're not, right? If you're the only person that's saying everything's great and it's not, uh, that could be really frustrating. So I think it's it's critical that we acknowledge like, you know what, this isn't ideal, but it's where we are. So here's here's what I want to focus on. I want to focus on how do we continue to provide the you know world-class service that our our customers have grown to expect from us how do we continue to make a positive impact in the communities that we serve or whatever the case may be whatever it is that you do how do we continue to do that even though we are in the not so ideal circumstances that we find ourselves in because ultimately um if we're here if we're showing up then that means that we care and we want to add value to to somebody or something right we're at the workplace for a reason and uh, finding out what that reason is, what that passion is, and drawing on that in the times that are uncomfortable, 
I think really goes a long way, right? If things are not going well, but you focus on the mission, the vision, the value um, that you're providing to the communities that you're serving, it's really going to help you kind of re-energize. So uh, in those times, I think it's more important than ever to make sure that you're really going back to the purpose of being in the workplace, like why it is that you're there, what's the the core mission of the organization that you're serving in is really helpful to getting people grounded again. Well, it looks like we are just about out of time. Jennifer, I want to thank you so much for joining me. Um, unfortunately, we didn't get even to scratch the surface on, you know, the things that you are working on, your current projects. Uh, I'm always really interested in learning more about the things that you're working on. You're, you always have some great projects going on. But in the very near future, I will invite you back so that uh, we can unpack a little bit more about uh, the things that are going on in your in your life right now and some of the projects that you're working on and, and how you are impacting your community. So thank you so much for joining us. And I look forward to chatting with you again in the very new future. Yes, thank you so much for taking the time to um, answer my questions. I was really excited when when you uh, commented and were uh, interacting with me and, and diving deeper into the questions that I had. I really do appreciate it. And I think a lot of times it's, it's exactly what a lot of the leaders need. Thank you so much for being here. And thank you all for joining us today. I hope everybody has a great rest of their day. See you next time. Today's episode was sponsored by Brohawk Solutions, an independent consulting firm with a focus on aligning people, processes, and technology to improve the employee experience, leading to an improved customer experience. From operational assessments to mentoring of contact center frontline leaders, as well as any technology challenges you may need a solution for, Brohawk Solutions wants to be your trusted advisor in the contact center space. For more information on how Brohawk Solutions can help your organization, visit their website at brohawksolutions.com. That's B-R-O-H-A-W-K-S-O-L-U-T-I-O-N-S.com or find their LinkedIn page at Brohawk Solutions.